Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, February 9th, 5.28 a.m. Central Time. Grain markets mostly lower here this morning. March corn futures, fresh lows again overnight. Uh, let's start off with yesterday's USDA report. So yesterday's report was mostly bearish relative to expectations. The government reduced its projection for U.S. soybean exports by 35 million bushels, resulting in a larger U.S. carryout projection compared to last month. Demand projections for U.S. corn and wheat were also cut marginally. USDA made only small downward revisions to their Brazilian crop projections. The report confirmed a mostly comfortable U.S. supply and demand situation for corn, soybeans, and wheat. Brian Split, let's start off with the U.S. situation, and then we'll jump to uh, the Southern Hemisphere. So this was a, a bearish-looking deal for soybeans in particular. I think that um, the, the cut to the export projection was warranted given the pace of sales and shipments, but it it I don't think was priced into the market. No, I think um, people were maybe thinking that they had inc increased to ending stocks uh, through way of, of a reduction in exports may have amounted to a 300 million bushel uh, carryout number. So that extra 15 million bushels uh, uh, reduction in, in uh, export demand, I think, was a little bit of a surprise. So 35 was a pretty big chunk all at once. We uh, internally had reduced exports, but we also bumped up uh, crush. Uh, for our expectations at agmarket.net, we did not see a crush adjustment. So yeah. this was all export demand. You better hope that crush moves higher because exports are going the wrong way. And a lot of that goes back to um, the global pricing dynamics and that Brazil is just so much cheaper than what we can offer out of the United States. To look at some of the stocks to use ratio stuff, this is updated as of yesterday. So corn like barely moved. Your new stocks to use ratio projection for the United States, this marketing year is 14.9%. It was like 14.8 last month. So that's that's not a big change, but we, we've had this chart on here a hundred times just to illustrate the big shift that uh, is underway when it comes to US supply and demand and corn. When you look at soybeans, it's still not like super bearish by any means in the United States. A 7.6% stocks to use ratio is the highest since 2020, but it's it's still not super high historically. The world soybean situation is the one that um, I think, it, at least according to USDA's numbers, and we're going to get to Conab and the differences here in a second, but your world soybean stocks to use ratio estimate is now north of 30%, which would be the second highest on record dating back to uh, the year 2000. And I think when you look at the, the world carryout projection for soybeans, <coughs> just the flat number, the 116, I think that's the highest ever. So the world soybean situation is is really not that great. Um, let's just jump to Conab and then we can get into that a little bit. So Brazil's government was more aggressive with production cuts. Yesterday, Conab reduced its forecast for Brazil's soybean crop to 149.4 million tons. The estimate is down from the agency's January forecast of 155.2 million tons. Total corn production is seen at 113.7 million tons, down from 117.6 million tons. The reduction is attribu attributed to dry conditions. Traders anticipate Argentina's crops will offset losses in Brazil. USDA has the Brazilian soybean and corn crops pegged at 156 million metric tons and 124 million metric tons, respectively. There was absolutely some USDA um, 
call it funny business here when it comes to Brazil. So they raised the size of last year's Brazilian soybean crop by 2 million metric tons, and they only came down 1 million with their estimate for this year's crop. So in effect, between the two crop years, you actually had an increase, which um, is not friendly to market. And then these CONAB numbers were all over the place. I threw this together this morning, Brian. These are the differences between USDA and CONAB and their uh, estimates of the Brazilian crops. So the difference in corn, 10.3 million metric tons, that's 405 million bushels. That's substantial. And the difference in soybean, 6.6 million, that's 243 million bushels. Um, I don't know. I, I think that could make a difference depending on who's right, who's wrong. Yeah. You know, when the CONAB numbers came out, the bean market was up, what, 15 cents plus. Yeah. Um, and I think if the USDA had uh, had printed a number similar to that, that uh, beans probably, we could potentially say, may, may have bottomed uh, if the USDA would have confirmed the CONAB number, uh, but they didn't, and they're they're very far apart. Um, so then I had a lot of calls asking, well, why is the USDA so far away from CONAB? And I know there's going to be, um, you know, a lot of uh, fuel for the uh, the uh, chat rooms, right? Uh, maybe the social media circus uh, what else next week, right? Um, you know, <laughs> is it the the policy? You know, is it, it's an election year. They need to keep prices low. Um, but maybe it's just because the USDA moves slow. We saw them move really slow last year when Argentina had the drought, and they were just very consistently well above the their South American counterparts on the way down. Uh, and they eventually got pretty close, but I, I don't think USDA got below, um, what was it, uh, 25 on the Argentine uh, bean production when uh, the South American counterparts were around 20. Um, so I don't know the answer of why they're so far apart, but uh, boy, that's a big difference. And then when you look at the corn difference, uh, you know, a 10 million ton uh, difference between USDA and CONAB. I mean, you're talking uh, the difference in beans, a 243 million bushel difference. That's like a carryout, right? That's a domestic Almost. carryout number. Um, so hopefully we can see the USDA continue to, to revise these numbers lower and get closer to where CONAB uh, uh, is currently. That would go a long way for our market. The way it's worked, I believe the last couple of years is that USDA and CONAB kind of come together in soybeans, but they've been far apart on corn, even as it relates to, um, I think last year's crop, they're still quite a ways away. So I don't know. I mean, predicting soybeans is, is one thing. Corn is a different thing because, you know, they're just planting corn in Brazil. That second corn crop is being planted right now. So this is like trying to predict U.S. yields in May. You know, it's it's pretty darn early. There's a lot of weather in front of us. Uh, soybeans, I guess maybe the the estimates should have a little bit more credence to them. But um, yeah, it's, it's a big difference. And who's right, who's wrong? I don't know. I feel like the trade, just based on what I saw yesterday in the markets, is probably working more so with the USDA numbers. That's the way it, it felt, given that we sold off, you know, uh, when USDA was out after CONAB. So interesting stuff. U.S. soybean export sales were poor last week. Net soybean sales of 340,800 340, metric tons were up noticeably from the previous week, but they were down 24% from the prior four-week average. China was the largest soybean buyer. Net corn sales of 1.2 million metric tons were up 1% from the previous week and up 25% from the prior four-week average. Unknown destinations were the largest buyers for the week. Net wheat 
Fleet sales were reported at 378,400 metric tons, up 17% from the previous week, but down 6% from the prior four-week average. South Korea was the largest wheat buyer for the week. Uh, unknown destinations, the largest corn buyer. I'd heard some people discuss the uh, idea that maybe that could be China coming in for U.S. corn. We are very close to being competitive, if not competitive. The market is not acting as if uh, China is back. When it comes to soybeans, here's some statistics for you. Even after yesterday's uh, downward revision to the export forecast, USDA is now projecting soybean exports will decline uh, 14% versus this year, but export sales are down 19%. So some people might even look at it now and say, you know what, our uh, our shipping season, prime time soybean shipping season is kind of coming to a close here. USDA may need to come down with exports again. Yeah, I, I read some chatter that uh, the carryout, uh, if we cannot turn the corner on exports and if they stay at these numbers or worse and we continue to lose ground towards the USDA's uh, current target, that we're going to end up with a carryout closer to 400 million bushels. Yeah, in the U.S., uh, U.S. soybeans are still overpriced by, uh, depending on which statistics you look at, a dollar bushel, dollar and a half, two dollars a bushel. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a large price discrepancy. USDA reported a flash sale of corn on Thursday. U.S. exporters sold 200,000 metric tons of corn to Colombia for delivery during the current marketing year. The last time Colombia purchased U.S. corn through a flash sale was back in January of 2023. You haven't seen a lot of corn flash sales. This is good to see. I mean, we need to see more of it. We should. We're, we're competitive. Maybe the logistics thing is an obstacle. Yeah, you know, I just look at the weekly number and, and um, in general, when we can get a million tons plus in a week, and if we can keep that string going, I think that leads to uh, a good export program and hopefully a revision uh, higher in corn for export. Um, and then when you start to see some of these other countries come out of the woodwork for U.S. corn, that looks positive. Uh, but I, I think the market would really love to see that China tag on on uh, export sales. And so maybe some of these unknown sales getting switched to China down the road uh, will lead the market to believe that China is actually in for corn in a bigger way. Once they believe it, if they believe it, if it happens, you'll know it. And the board will rally before it's ever printed because somebody in the in the commercial business will become aware that China's back. And it just doesn't feel like China is back uh, to me, even with those unknown sales. According to Brazilian grain export lobby ANEC, Brazilian farm bankruptcies are on the rise. ANEC is concerned that the bankruptcies could compromise the execution of grain contracts. The rise in bankruptcies could also get in the way of traders' export programs. Brazil's farmers have faced difficulties due to drought and excessive rainfall which have reduced yields is the uh expansion just too fast i know that um i don't think brazilian farmers are making money either no right now their prices are below their cost of production and uh, i'm not a bankruptcy attorney uh, but i think this all leads to the idea of who owns the grain if, if the producer goes bankrupt and how that all works out through the system mm -hmm. and then that would lead to the uh, the concern about the execution of these grain contracts and then being able to export them because all that needs to get get settled out as far as the ownership of those bushels uh, before they can be moved into the system yeah. Okay. Interesting stuff. I don't know that it's going to impact the markets this year, but you get into a, a widespread deal where there's enough bankruptcies and maybe it does affect production or acreage uh, next year. I don't know.
On Thursday, a $95 billion foreign aid funding bill for Ukraine and Israel passed the first procedural vote in the Senate. The bill includes $60 billion for uh, Ukraine, $14 billion for Israel, and $9 billion for humanitarian assistance in Gaza. Border security and immigration reform that had been previously negotiated are not included in the bill. The bill will still need to pass one more vote in the Senate before heading to the House of Representatives. However, given the increasing resistance to Ukraine aid among House Republicans, the bill's passage through the chamber looks to be quite difficult. Brian, did you watch the uh, Tucker-Putin interview? I actually did, yeah. I watched most of it. It was like it was basically a two-hour history lesson from Putin. It was actually pretty impressive. I mean, he had no notes, and he just like— rattled the stuff off. I don't know. It was interesting. It was, I mean, the translation was kind of brutal to sit through, but um, it was interesting. I, I threw this in today for two reasons. First reason and, and question I'll ask you is this. So if we're going to um, not restart the war, but uh, accelerate the war because we're funding them again, could that have an impact on any of the markets? We um, maybe. You know, that was one of the things that we kind of touched on at the conference, and it was more just speculative, like, how could this work out? But the whole thing is that now you've got Russia offering wheat at such a cheap level to continue to finance their end of it. And then you've got U.S. taxpayer money going to Ukraine. Obviously, here we have another package uh, of of, uh, funds going to Ukraine. And so that allows them to continue to sell corn at cheap levels. Um, And so there was a a hypothesis, if you would maybe call it that, brought up that maybe ending the war could turn into something friendly because then Russia doesn't need to keep discounting wheat. Ukraine doesn't have uh, foreign aid to continue to push corn out the door at such cheap levels. Uh, So it's it's sucks that it seems like we're kind of paying for the demise of our grain markets right now. Okay, here's the second reason that I threw this in is um, we're broke. And uh, the U.S. debt to GDP ratio got up north of 130 percent. We've peeled back a little bit. Here's a statistic about this. Uh, Jim Urio throws this one around. Over the past two centuries, 51 out of 52 countries that reached sovereign debt levels of 100 130 percent of GDP ended up defaulting within zero to 15 years, either through devaluation, inflation, restructuring or outright nominal default. So um, we can't afford to pay for anything. But here we are. And I don't know that we're going to default because we print the money, you know, but um, we should probably think about our spending a little bit. Just it makes me angry, Joe, um, when I see this. Like, I, I think the people in Washington right now are just ruining this country and it just drives me crazy. Uh, it's 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 pretty insane. I mean, history, um, history and, and fiat currencies and this uh, excessive spending and inflation and all that stuff, it it doesn't end well typically. Maybe the United States is exceptional because we print the money and we're so fantastic. But I don't know. It's kind of uh, it's kind of scary. Uh, what did cattle do yesterday? Cattle futures were mixed on Thursday. Feeders were down fifty cents to up a buck thirty. Live cattle were five cents higher to up a buck seventy seven. Box beef was mo- was mostly flat. Choice ended the day at two ninety five oh one. That was up three cents. Select ended the day at two eighty four twelve. That was down a buck thirty. Outside markets on Friday, guys, U.S. dollars flat. Uh, stocks are up a little bit. The S&P and the cash market traded 5000 for the first time ever yesterday. Uh, new all-time highs. Bonds, bonds are up a little bit. Uh, gold, silver, flat. Crude oil is up $0.09 cents in the March WTI at 76.31. Have a great weekend, guys. Uh, we will talk to you Monday.